Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is psychokinesis? Can you really move objects with your mind? Can it help you win in Vegas? Hello and welcome to the 813th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM, local and live, as we just heard. I love that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's my, I love alliterations and rhymes, so that's yeah. it's great. The new station model. Yeah. So I'm Ben, and those, those moving questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and dad, Paul. Today we bring you a very unusual guest uh, who last joined us over five years ago, actually. And uh, you welcome to welcome to give us a call today. Uh, the number is 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or you can email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. You can contact us uh, by Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as well. Coming to us via Skype today is Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, a clinical psychologist with over 30 years of experience as a therapist and a great interest in, quote, the universal principles of manifestation, unquote. In 1995, he began exploring psychokinesis, the ability to influence matter through non-physical means. He has achieved statistically significant results in university laboratories and after advancing his methods over years of study, began to teach this skill to groups that share his interest. Dr. Gallenberger has been a mediate, uh, mediator, medit- maybe he's mediated too, but meditator and trainer for 26 years at the Monroe Institute, which he'll tell us about, and it does teach expanded human consciousness. He has presented internationally on such, such subjects as out-of-the-body experiences, accelerated energy healing, manifestation, and meditation. His books include Inner Vegas, Creating Miracles, Abundance, and Health, Liquid Luck, The Good Fortune Handbook, uh, and Heaven is for Healing, A Soul's Journey After Suicide. His websites include HTTPS, SyncCreation.com, and he'll tell us about these later, but Sync with a Y, as in synchronicity, SyncCreation.com. So, Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hi, how are you guys doing today? Not no, better than bad, nothing. Not too bad. All right. Just another glorious day here in the Blackstone River Valley. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start off with with uh, with some a couple kind of what is questions. So for those who don't know, what is psychokinesis? Uh, my big definition would be to affect physical matter, reality, matter with your energy and your intent. <clears throat> some people shorten it to affecting matter with your mind, but to me. The mind is like the steering wheel in a car. It sets direction, but you need energy to go anywhere, gas in a car, and we use the highest octane energy we got is unconditional love. So we use that to uh, get some things going with psychokinesis. Examples could be growing seeds. We've had seeds, seed growth of an inch and a half root growth in two minutes, Um, lighting light bulbs with your energy. They've measured 400 volts off my hand. Uh, when we're lighting light bulbs that way, bending metal, um, throwing Dyson patterns, affecting slot machines. And uh, it's the same energy as for manifesting what you'd like in your life and in the same energy for energy healing. So that's what we're talking about in that psychokinesis area. So you actually managed to, to hop into the next question here, which is what are the universal principles of manifestation? Well, uh, a lot of people talk about visualizing what you would like to create and see it as already here. That's important, but uh, 
again from the psychokinesis with, but we find also essential is to have the highest energy to apply to that, which means any limiting belief or doubt, uh, emotional patterns, uh, thoughts like nothing good comes easy, all of that can get in the way. So you want a good, clear energy channel for manifestation as well as setting a clear intent. All right. And just, uh, I'm big on getting our terms straight. Uh, telekinesis is just another word for psychokinesis, correct? Yes. Some okay. people say they're different, but most say they're, they use them interchangeably. Huh. Okay. Now, okay, well, before we get into some more meat and potatoes here, as the cliche goes, why don't we um, take a question from our listener here? And we have a very faithful listener in Bogota, Colombia, Peter, who has uh, who always sends some very incisive questions. So, Dr. Uh, ben, why don't you um, pose question number one? There are two. Sure. Okie dokie. So, we'll, we'll start off with the, with the first one. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. Uh, Dr. Gallenberger, please give us a detailed account of the original 1958 experiments Robert Monroe did, uh, which triggered his paranormal experiences, including the equipment he was using, methods, and the events which followed during the next six weeks. Um, I can't answer that very well, because best I know, there's no distinct report of that. What I know is at that time, what Bob Monroe, who was the founder of Monroe Institute and famous for out-of-body work, what he was playing with, and according to his report, was the borderline state between sleep and awake. And he was doing that to look at accelerated learning. Um, so he was developing sound signals, some uh, that he noticed the sound of the train wheels, uh, on his commute from New York to Connecticut, seemed to put people in a light trance, if you will, that sound. Uh, some uh, binaural beats came later, but he was looking to get people between sleep and awake. And playing with that over uh, a good bit of time, he began to feel energy rushes in his own body and then had a full-blown out-of-body experience one night around that time. Uh, and that started him on his explorations for years to understand what was going on for himself, but also to get other people to be able to experience that out-of-body state. Uh, his first program was named M5000. He thought if he had 5,000 people doing this, he'd have a good database. Now the program's called Gateway up in Monroe Institute, and they probably had 30,000 go through. And uh, so that's what was going on for him. He was a businessman. He was not interested in the esoteric, but he seemed to trigger it by these meditative states he was playing with. Interesting. And uh, Peter's second question is, um, is there a UFO connection to any of Robert Monroe's experiences? I never heard, I knew Bob a little bit. I never heard him talk about direct contact with UFOs. Uh, many of the people that use his meditation techniques, however, uh, do report uh, contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. Uh, they even have a program up there called Starlines, and Starlines 2 and a Starlines Reunion directly addressing contact beyond the physical and beyond the human um, through meditative states. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. Now, Let's get back to uh, psychokinesis here. Now, 
how does psychokinesis work? I mean, I've seen it in poltergeist cases. I've been hit by flying TVs and things of that kind. How does it yeah. work, in your opinion, or in the, in the opinion of the uh, science community? Um, first of all, some people would attribute quite a bit of the uh, poltergeist activity to really be psychokinetic activity generated by somebody here in the, with a physical body, often an adolescent a pre-adolescent female may be the highest uh, incident where that occurs. Um, the best explanations involve quantum physics. There's a Princeton Anomalous Engineering Research, shortened for PAIR, that have um, many articles online going into the theoretical physics behind this. Um Things I notice, it seems like we wink out of normal time space in uh, energy healing and in psychokinesis activities. Uh, so what do I mean? We uh, set an intent, like to roll something on a dice or to uh, heal a headache. And then we distract ourselves from the linear time space and seem to access uh, energy, perhaps information as well, uh, from a non-local area, if you will, um, independent of the local time-space chain. Um, I know that's a very vague explanation. It seems that the higher energy you build, the more likely it is. It seems like if you can get a uh, completely clear of any limiting beliefs, the more likely. Uh, but mainly we study effects. So, at this point, we consider it a six sigma event, meaning a billion to one by chance, if you analyze the literature. Um, and Princeton's um, done experiments, 12 and a half million trials. Uh, they've worked with me at University of Virginia, for example, with a 128 lead EEG on the head and 48 seconds PK, 48 seconds rest through 100 trials. And we get some very unusual EKG patterns, uh, which would indicate the brain is doing something different than usual, as well as significant psychokinetic events. Mm. Uh, since I talked to you guys five years ago, uh, the UVA has been doing a lot of analysis of what we do up at the Monroe Institute MC Squared program, which I developed around psychokinesis, and they're beginning to get significant results there when people send energy for healing, try to bend metal, different things like that. But how it works? Eh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we do think it's natural, like going to sleep. Mm -hmm. If I said you go to sleep in the next 20 minutes and I'll give you 10 million bucks, you probably couldn't go to sleep, you know? <laughs> uh, because now we put some uh, self-consciousness on that process. Very similar for PK, it's probably natural for us, but any sense of ego, struggling, trying too hard, will shut it down. Oh, no, certainly. I don't think your, your answer was vague at all. I mean, from okay. now my degrees in philosophy, minor in psychology, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't have your background. I don't mm -hmm. have a PhD, but I've been in the trenches for 50 years with this stuff. And yeah. uh, I, I really uh, relate to what you said as far as, far, you know, possible causes of this. I'm thinking uh, that, that we might be able to go a little further 
uh, in the sense that, uh, speaking of the trenches, 1974, I'm in the house in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm sure you've heard about that case. Uh, and I've got two poli- th- three police officers on one side, Bridgeport police officers, three firefighters on the other. And the refrigerator levitated off the kitchen floor. And we mm. all saw this. And um, the little girl, who uh, classical parapsychology would call the, you know, the agent, was uh, in the basement, uh, not paying any attention to this at all, presumably talking with another police officer. So mm-hmm. um, I just got the impression there was no entity present uh, at mm-hmm. the time, and it was some sort of uh, force or, or phenomenon that uh, would be related more to energy than anything else. Uh, our particular approach, and actually Dr. Fred Allen Wolf has been on the show and kind of backed us up on this in a way, uh, was that uh, we've actually had to invent our own terms for our particular approach, uh, such as overwash, um, and as you you may have hinted uh, with some of the uh, your comments, you know, inadvertently or, or, or intentionally, uh, there may have been an overwash of a of a brain b r a n e with uh, perhaps a parallel reality with different laws of physics, and that's why the the thing floated. You know, one possibility. So um, so I do relate to what to what you say, and thank you for that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's still pretty uh, mysterious. They're trying at UVA to develop a gray box, if you will, that is shielded from everything that we know, except for cosmic rays, because you can't shield from sure. that. Um, and it seems to respond to the psychokinetic kinetic intentions. Um, and uh, they're thinking that one of the things that may happen is they're... Uh, Shifting the amount of cosmic rays in a particular area. Who knows? Anything is possible. When I was going back and forth with Dr. Louisa Ryan at Duke about a hundred years ago, the largest thing anybody had been able to move in the lab, the parasite lab at the time at Duke, as you know, was was like a pencil, like rolling a pencil. But you know that's why the refrigerator thing really struck me. Nobody's yes. been able to do that. So again, these are all unanswered unanswered questions. Um, okay, so have you yourself ever tangled with a poltergeist in any, any that sort of thing doesn't usually happen in the laboratory but um, or have you worked with people who have done so um, not the usual definition of poltergeist um, so much in a house a quote haunted house and phenomena going on but Monroe there's a program called Lifeline where we do a lot of mm-hmm. communicating with people who are in be- between lives, if you will, and perhaps a little earthbound or stuck. Um, also had a time when um, there seemed to be um, an energy wanting to take over my head, if you will, for seconds at this house I was staying in in Virginia. It was a brandly renewed decorated house. And then uh, later, the um, I didn't tell the people. I just spent 100k decorating the house, but I slept with one eye open that night. But mm. the woman in the house came to me uh, a few months later and said she'd been seeing a lot of green mists and feelings of threat. And her husband was gone, so she locked herself in the bedroom for the night with her Jack Russell Terrier. She woke up covered with leaves and branches and stuff and oh, dirt. My goodness. Uh, so we went into a labyrinth at Monroe Institute as kind of a protected space. And what I seemed to gather was that that house used to be a fraternity house with lots of uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it may have attracted some entities, if you will, that had 
less than highest uh, desires. Yes. Uh, and we uh, did a clearing or cleansing, and the lady had no problem after that. Interesting. Yeah, we deal with uh, what well, we call them parasites uh, all the time, you know, uh, because uh, having actually faced them down in a couple of cases that were supposed because you know my background is a seminary background and uh, you know the, yeah. uh, the church had enough of me uh, after uh, we probably both had a lucky escape uh, 1977 but in any case um, I, I just thought that the old ideas just weren't good enough but to, to get back to your work um, I'm fascinated by how you train people and then and then uh, I have I have your your both uh, both of your Vegas books and can you tell how, how you apply that and, and whether that actually works and whether you've upset any uh, casino managers uh, with this method? Well, we, uh, we ju- I just came back a few days ago from our 98th Inner Vegas Adventure Workshop. So uh, we got a big experience base over 21 years out there. Uh, a bad casino will kick you out. A good casino likes winners. So <laughs> you don't know where the winners are allowed. <coughs> Um, for example, in this last workshop I just got back from, I got 21 four-of-a-kinds in a few hours of slot play, including uh, four four aces hands that paid about $800 each. Um, so it's practical in terms of earning money. Uh, at the dice table, we had a lady roll 48 numbers in a row with no six. Statistically, uh, we, I mean, with no seven, statistically, a seven should come up once every six rolls. So when you roll 48 numbers, you're really, it's like a flipping heads on a coin 18 times in a row or whatever. Um, we had somebody uh, guess uh, six numbers in a row in roulette, which is 1.6 billion to one by chance. Um, we routinely out there have uh, psychokinetic effects on the dice and slots as well as healings. People wake up to the second day of the workshop pain-free from post-polio syndrome, pain mm. for the first time in 20 years. Um, uh, two workshops ago, a guy who had had severe heart conditions, heart surgery, when he was four or five years old, was facing more heart surgery, very uncomfortable, woke up the second day feeling pain-free and won $1,000 on Wheel of Fortune that night. So he was oh, pretty happy. <laughs> So we get a lot of that. Um, and we've gotten it down to um, a pretty good um, routine, but it cannot be rote. It has to be genuine of the heart. Interesting. Um, And so, for example, if we want to roll a double on the dice, uh, we've tracked at MC Squared program 85% of the time after a person gets a hug, they roll a double. They Hmm. should only get once every six. Uh, but you can't say, give me a hug so I can get a double. It's got to be a genuine, soul-to-soul, heart-to-heart meeting, if you will. Very interesting. Uh, to get you out of ego and out of your mind and into some heart energy. Then your intent can flow. Now here comes my philosophy background. Um, certainly not no problem with with the health issues, but the, influencing the diet. Is that ethical? I think so. Um, people are trying to do it all the time. Uh, with a uh, lucky shirt, um, <laughs> talking to the dice, uh, you know, people uh, pray, people do all that with lotteries, with dice, with whatever. Uh, the casinos kind of know what we're doing um, because uh, they know I teach people meditation from around the world, bring groups out, teach good med- money management, betting strategies. And because it's a training workshop, 
the first session often is what we call planting some seeds. We never use the word loss um, because people are trying to be in a high altered state of meditation and learn this left brain game. The second session we break even often, third session a little better, fourth maybe better than that. But all in all, we're betting, you know, four or five buck bets. Uh, some of the casinos out there like MGM might have $2.6 billion in their vault on a big weekend. Um, so they say, Joe, you know, your group might take us for 40 grand, but the myth out there is the table's hot, so people will be on that table all day long after you leave, and we'll make the money back, no sweat. So they're uh, not too worried about us. We're not trying to make a killing. We're using money as a feedback because when you're around the table and you're wide open heart, connected to earth, grounded, connected with spirit, all is one, you get rewarded with money quickly. But if you go in the greed, fear, and ego, the money's withdrawn by loss. So it's a kind of a psychological, classical conditioning, like teaching a dog to sit. It's teaching a more enlightened way of living because the feedback is so quick. Mm-hmm. In real life, you know, you could think negative for two weeks before you get a cold or think positive wanting your soulmate to come in. It could take a year. Um, the feedback is very slow. In a casino, the feedback is near instant. Yeah, that's, that's why true. we use yeah. the casino. Interesting. The uh, the notion of um, I want to go back a little bit to the the uh, notion of the the, the uh, bulk or weight of an object uh, when it comes to um, psychokinesis. Now, as I mentioned, we saw I've seen a number of times you know very heavy objects you know levitate or move or be thrown or yeah. whatever. And yeah. um, as I say in the laboratory, uh, nothing uh, uh, heavier than a pencil at least in my day when I was in touch with that, was moving, or one might say dice, which mm-hmm. probably aren't much heavier than a pencil. Is there a step that you suspect can be taken to move heavier weights with psychokinesis? Um, I'm going to answer that by a, a true story. We had a physicist who was paralyzed uh, from the waist down or the neck down, so he's in a wheelchair. And... Um, he had been measured at only two pounds of pressure he could exert with any limb. And with four fingers, we one under each leg, one under each arm, we lifted him, right? And so he knew it wasn't hypnosis. He, he knew it should have only happened if there was 45 pounds of cordon, counter pressure on each limb because he weighed 180 pounds, okay? Mm-hmm. So he looked at the formula for gravity, and deep somewhere in the formula, in a way I could not follow, it got uh, page after page of physics formulas, he found a place where there is a constant in gravity having to do with time. And so his theory was that somehow that movement of heavy object was related to winking out of linear time as we usually understand it, which I mentioned earlier in the broadcast. Mm. That came from partly be from his work. Um, other times I've seen time suspension. I'll throw the dice, and they stay in the air rolling, and it feels like I could go to the bathroom and come back, and they'd still be there. Hmm. And uh, when I decide that's boring, let it, let them land three three equals six. They land three three equals six. So there's a lot of time distortion in people's uh, self reports about what they're experiencing phenomenologically. And um, uh, 
The Chinese have done some things where they teleport objects out of, say, a vacuumed um, topped uh, glass, like, say, an apple or something, and um, they take films of that. And uh, they're really interesting. There seems to be a time issue there as well, because the object's there and then it isn't. Uh, and the film should record it like going through the glass or whatever, but it is it doesn't. It's just there and then not there. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we find, and this is where perhaps, perhaps a term you've mentioned already, non-locality, yeah. uh, may come in. Uh, oh, I, Ben is reminding me that we have our break at the bottom of the hour, and you're listening. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON twelve forty AM and ninety nine point five FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our fascinating guest, Dr. Joseph Gallenberger. We shall be right back. Did you know that in the 1960s, 92% of Americans listened to local radio every week? What do you think it is now? I bet it's a lot less. Would you believe that it's still 92%? Wait, you mean more people listen to radio than TV? Yes, more people use local radio every week than any other device. I know I listen. I just didn't realize that everyone else does too. 92% of Americans listen every week. You are right now. Thanks. You can depend on us for public service. Owen Radio. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. <coughs> As uh, the the new slogan goes, local and live on 99.5 or 99.5. Anyway. It's kind of our thing, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's cool. I, I like uh, rhyme and alliteration. So we're uh, speaking with Dr. Joseph Gallenberger. Expert on many things, a clinical psychologist with a um, very, I guess, long-ranging and uh, long-term interest in the, the uh, principle, among other things, of the principles of psychokinesis, something that we have run into ourselves only perhaps from a different point of view. So I, I as we, we ended off the last, the last portion of the show with the idea of non-locality, I think it kind of brought all these, this, this one question that was kind of persisting in my mind, pardon the pun, is, is <laughs> neurology. And um, are there any – non-locality is still a relatively new well, – Maybe we should define it. Yes, so let us, let's, let's start doesn't there, know. Baby, baby steps. So non-locality, uh, doctor, what, what in your opinion or, or how would you phrase non-locality? Uh, well, it's referring, uh, in my mind, to physics experiments where you change a spin of an electron here and uh, its mated electron could be – a hundred million light years away, it will respond uh, to that influence and uh, instantly. So that we're saying, um, best we can tell, things are enmeshed or entangled um, regardless of time space. Yeah, and of course, the, that on the macroscopic level, you know, could translate to. What we're always uh, talking about, Ben, the island theory, mm. that uh, things, you know, in our culture, we tend to think that everything is contained within us. Everything is, you know, all our imagination and the talent, everything is contained within our brain and everything, and never the twain shall meet. And, and uh, that's why, you know, we have such trouble with ESP. How could that happen since, since we're all islands? Well, we don't believe any of that, not for a long time. And non-locality is one of the reasons. And it, I, it can be interpreted in different ways, but non-locality could mean you're, we're not islands. 
you know, and and that these things can take place outside of us, uh, uh, memory even, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, much of the collective unconscious idea of Carl Jung, Dr. Carl Jung, um, talked about that, uh, you know, in early part of the 20th century, and uh, Dr. Joe uh, knows all about that, I'm sure, too, as, well, as do more. Uh, individuality are probably the illusion. Uh, precisely, uh, yeah, yeah. And so there's this one field, uh, you know, what we find with psychokinesis is also um, what you could call intuition or remote viewing or instant knowing goes up at the same time, mm-hmm. both eyes. Uh, that could be because the belief systems are broken down in terms of what's possible, but I think they're they're rising because the person or agent is much more in touch with that unity consciousness, if you will. Yeah, that's and, precisely uh, the word we use, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, and that's why you know we talk about you know it's an, uh, an agape kind of love is one of the best ways spiritually and psychologically sound ways to get in touch with that unity consciousness um, easier than just trying to think your way there. Well, that leads into my next question uh, with great irony, actually, uh, because, uh, you know, we certainly agree, you know, love, and I'm not a touchy-feely guy, but love really, really is the main principle. You know, I think of the African notion of Ubuntu and uh, the, the, the unity theories that, that a lot of people put, and it, it really is, amounts to the same thing, that unconditional love really is the key to consciousness in its full sense, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, that being said, uh, the military uh, has uh, turned up in every single, we call them flap area cases, where all sorts of seemingly paranormal phenomena are taking place uh, that not, have not been traditionally associated with one another, but nevertheless seem to be because of the, the quantum processes involved in their, their presence and manifestation. Wouldn't mm-hmm. we love to weaponize that? You know, and we run into the military or something that looks like the military, or perhaps private industry, uh, the f- forces, if you will, of private industry, uh, where there's a lot of money to be made and with these things, should, should they be able to be commercialized? Uh, so, what say you on the notion of uh, the selfless pursuit that you seem to be uh, involved in, with great, you know, certainly with a great uh, applause from us, uh, and the other side, the military and/or industrial complex, as Eisenhower would say, uh, trying to use these same principles. Um, I don't know yeah. if they're doing it with much love. I mean, I'm thinking Project Stargate all the way down, you know, attempting to uh, use remote viewing to detonate ordnance at, at, at a distance and remote viewing, things of this kind. What say you on all that? Uh, everybody's got to make their own ethical decisions, day one. The, um, I'm pretty familiar with some of the uh, top remote viewers they seem to usually be deeply convinced that this is in service for their country, gathering information. Uh, and in fact, that information has saved many lives on things reported and non-reported. Uh, they tend to be, you know, American lives if they're an American remote viewer. Other countries have theirs. But when they moved into remote influencing, best I could tell, they ran into issues uh, we could call it karma, we could call it just I don't want to play these games um, of influencing someone else and because it's disrespectful of that person's freedom. Um, so they stuck mostly to the information things. But even within that, it could be used to find um, dowsing for water, right? And that mm-hmm. might be a good thing in your backyard, but it also could be dowsing or 
uh, remote viewing for oil. And uh, some people would see that as a good because we quote need energy. Others would see it as an evil because it's carbon-based energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so like a, like a knife can be a scalpel or a, a dagger to kill you with, um, it's a healer or a herder. Um, I think these things operate. Um, if you use them without good intent, um, in my experience, sometimes there is some, let's call it, blowback. The person either burns out or gets disinterested or has physical health problems, etc., I wouldn't go so far as to say God is doing that to him or anything, but just uh, if you wanted to do this in a healthy manner, I'd stick on the positive and the love side of it. Yeah, certainly karma is one term that, that could be applied, I would think. Yeah, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, Are you familiar with the Bougie anomaly, B-O-U-G-U-E-R? Uh, most not, people are not. That, that just, give me a little more info on it. I'm not under the name. Okay. Uh, it is a named after a 19th century French physicist uh, and engineer. And it's, uh, it's, it's a, a principle in a sort of applied geology. And uh, they will use it, engineers will use it to find oil and gas deposits. You know, you mentioning the oil kind of brought this to mind. Yeah. What it is, is if you, um, one would expect that walking down a hill toward the bottom of a valley, the gravity would get a bit stronger because you're moving closer to the center of the earth. And very often that's true. And it is measurable. However, with the Bouget anomaly, the opposite is true. Uh, they don't really know why. There are lots, a lot of light elements in the soil in areas where this is present. But you go down and you actually get a little bit lighter. Now, just mm-hmm. perhaps it's coincidence, but in every flap area we have investigated, uh, including uh, the area with the Mothman stuff, you know, you name it, it's it's going on there. Uh, we have found a strong presence of the Bouge anomaly, particularly in the Ohio Valley, uh, really all the way from Pittsburgh all the way down to Kentucky. And mm-hmm. in in our Connecticut case, where we have uh, lots of you know there's psychokinesis and various other things, uh, they, that's the center of that has the strongest Bouget anomaly in Connecticut. And th- that that's a, a lengthy introduction to, to the question: uh, Do you think this may have some relevance uh, in how effective psychokinesis can be in any given situation if the Bouget anomaly is present? Um, because what it's what what did Einstein say about gravity? It bends space and time. Now maybe mm-hmm. this is not a, the variations aren't enough to do that. And I, and I know neither of us is a physicist here, but um, yeah. I you know I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I can say we've studied certain things like the effect of the full moon seems to be slot machine payouts a little more before and after that. Okay. Um, the something called star time sidereal time. Uh, at, I think it's 1330 sidereal, it's strong, 1800, it's weaker. But these effects are very small compared to the powerful effects of uh, if you got three people together with strong intention sure. to healing or something. Okay. So, I, it, But it may make it a little more conducive. I don't know the Bouget, you know, I haven't studied that, how, what the strength might be, but I would guess that there are certain things that make this a little easier, mainly by maybe reducing chaoticness in people's consciousness um, or increasing it. Like full moon might be uh, more of an agitated time, and um, star time, sidereal time might be a little more calm. 
But, you know, that's the, that's the only ones I'm aware of. It sounds like a great area for you guys to study the rest of your life, huh? Yeah, just about. Well, yeah. I, the, uh, the, the, um, question that would, the, I'll leave the subject after this one, but do you find that in certain geographic areas, the ability to effect psychokinesis is stronger? Or have you had a chance to look at that? That would be anecdotal, but there seems to be uh, a coalescing, say, of consciousness uh, organizations like Monroe Institute up in the Shenandoah Valley, Yogaville, uh, Edgar Casey Foundation, different things in that area. Some people report Sedona, Mount Shasta. Vegas um, has its own energetic um, both both from human consciousness but also the desert there and what's under the desert which used to be, you know, uh, tropical. Um, so I would not be surprised that people at least get triggered more in certain areas. Hmm. Um, and with that activation, um, you know, a person could be psychokinetically negative. They can think, uh, gee, I'm so angry I could break glass in a Rock will fly up and break the windshield of their car, yeah. or um, you know, the, you know, something will burst in the flames or whatever it is. Uh, computers break. Um, so it, all these energies, I think, intertwine. If you get into a good place yourself individually in your own dominion, you should be able to control your energy going through an airport or a mall, or at a funeral, or in a sick room at a hospital. Uh, places which tend to drain and hassle people, you'll keep your center. And uh, the same for areas where there's intense positive energy, you should be able to be able to funnel them or use them a little better than the average person. I like that. Okay. Now, on the issue of um, entities, uh, you have mentioned that the, sometimes these, these have come in, and of course we've run into them too, needless to say. Do you find that there is a, a, a relevant, um, whether it be attraction or repulsion of any sorts of entities, whether, you know, I, I suppose we, we talk about negative entities. And again, you know, my experiences with poltergeist, so I'm thinking back to that. A lot of negative situations with a lot of psychokinesis going on. Um, have you had any contact with that sort of thing and what is your opinion on it? as far as uh, the involvement of entities, uh, or the attraction or repelling of entities by psychokinetic activities that are intentional, as, you, as you've, uh, you, as you've uh, described. This is just my opinion, partly because it's, uh, it's not been an area of interest. I think entity presence is much rarer than it's reported. As a psychologist, I look for other explanations often. Mm-hmm of projection of, of, you know, one's own uh, emotional state outside, both onto a living person or someone, you know, someone that they think is non-physical. That said, uh, I do believe like attracts like. Good positive energies developed in meditative states tend to bring in helpful energetics. And if there was intense emotions, um, particularly repressed, unacknowledged, unexpressed, um, that may call in similar um, negative energies that are radiating with that. Um, uh, so, in some ways, um, I don't know if I put that so much in the psychokinetic area, 
the more in the law of attraction, like attracts like sure. kind of area. Um, the rituals of exorcism in the Catholic Church looks like hostage against the uh, hostage to the devil. I remember that one. Mm. There's good documentation things. They'll usually use ritual and you know positive energetic linkages um, to clear space. In my opinion. Usually, what I've ever encountered, uh, if the person's in body or out of body, uh, the intelligence, if you come from a strong place of honesty, truth, and light, that energy usually dissipates. Yeah, uh, we agree. We quite, use the... Uh, we, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, quite quickly. It almost can't stand the, the light of day. It operates in darkness, if you will. Now, we would agree. We use it. We call it the Peter Pan theory. Bring in positive energy or think happy thoughts, even humor. I once got rid of the worst poltergeist I ever encountered by using a joke book. You know, so, yeah, this is the sort of yeah. thing. But anyway, um, tell us, uh, we're in our last 15 minutes here. Uh, tell us about your books, your website, and uh, your work, and where people can find out more. Sure. Well, if you go to innervegas.com, that will be good enough to get you to my main website and it would land you on the page for the Inner Vegas book. But across the top of the page is all my workshops. My next Inner Vegas workshop, which will be the 99th, is February 8th to 10th. And then we're planning, uh, it's still in the beginning planning stages, for people who have been to the Vegas workshops, after we've done our hundredth one, we're going to have a big party out there, <laughs> imagining the healing circles of five hundred people, uh, PK circles, of manifesting circles of five hundred people is the image. So this is uh, Inner Vegas book, and you can get it on Amazon or my website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can see it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Liquid Luck is a um, trying to summarize thirty, twenty, thirty years of this experience down to thirty-five minute meditation. It was called Liquid Luck. It was real successful, so I wrote a book about why it works. And so the book and CD are available uh, also on my website. And my latest ones are Heart Series. I mentioned Heart a lot this uh, show. So Healing Heart, Abundant Heart, Ocean Heart. Um, designed to generate this heart energy we've been talking about, this unconditional love for healing, for manifesting and things. Also, my website has tons of free articles under previous articles about tips for PK, for healing, for manifesting, other things of interest there that a person can go to the website and uh, see for free. So innervegas.com will take you there. Very good. Yeah, I must say that I've had the, the two Vegas books since 2014, your last appearance, uh, and coming from a professional editor, they're very well written, and uh, I, I like the approach is very unusual. I think it's two of the most unusual books I've ever read. So um, thank you uh, for writing those. Where sure. where do you go next with this? I mean, where where is your work going to take you next? Well, my next uh, meditation exercise. These all use binaural beat and other techniques to generate gamma waves and very high frequency meditative states. The next one I'm going to do is called the Forgiving Heart because I think we need to have that now in our culture. Um, I apply this mostly now uh, to group consciousness because as uh, people that get, get together in, in small groups like family, larger groups in a community of, say, 100 people, 
um, terrific possibilities occur. I've had reports of one guy raising the nitrogen content in the soil in his family farms. Imagine the world with no need for nitrogen fertilizer. Mm. Um, people have cleared lakes of pollution where they have 300 months uh, chanting around a lake and they me- see a measurable change in the pollution there. Um, I think uh, we're living in a culture right now where fear is rampant. Uh, my biggest saying is fear is expensive, love is priceless, choose wisely, and we're choosing fear right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of my main missions is to counterbalance that with some very positive message about how powerful love can be, how practical it can be to apply spirituality, psychokinesis, these things to our world problems, um, so that we just don't go down and create the reality we don't want. You know, fear is a prayer for what you don't want. Yeah. And uh, right now, there's a lot of people invested in whipping up fear for their own purposes, um, for power purposes mainly, and uh, we need to counter that. Yeah. So I'm trying to be a light in the darkness on that. Well said. Well said. Okay. The uh, the idea of the self has come up, and uh, at least in I don't my spiritual experience, for what it's worth, the self can be a real impediment to grow because it, because it um, puts up barriers to the unity that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of the statement of Dr. Amit Goswami, who has been on the show a bunch of times that the sense of self is an illusion and that it's it's really just a sense of self-reference. Uh, would would you agree with that? In light of everything we've said? It's philosophical. I think if you mean self in terms of ego function, yeah. I try to kill ego because its its mechanism is to survive and, to survive and you just make it stronger. Yeah. But we want the ego to be one of the voices on a board of directors inside ourselves which has our inner child, the wisdom of our grandmother, our wonderful heart energy, whatever. And it's a voice that helps you make, you know, ego helps you make airline tickets and that kind of things, practicalities. Yeah. But you don't want it to be a dictator. Um, so, you know, that, using that term of reference, yeah. At another level, I don't think there is any true self, false self, because I don't think there's any self. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this uh, feeling that we have of uh, individual identity, you know, that seems to be there for many people identified with their body mm-hmm. and maybe the next layer of their personality. But if they do between lives and other life work, then they see that sense of individuality existing in ways as part of a group. I was in a past life regression once. We were a desert tribe, and the whole consciousness of that tribe shifted depending on how far away from water we were. Hmm. And we shifted as a unit, as a group. So there was still a Joe Gallenberger, whatever name that was then, but a very different sense of self. So, I, you know, with those explorations, I'd say there's many ways to still have a point of consciousness referring to yourself, if you will, but with much more loose edges than we usually have. Okay. That I, helps. I wanted, yes, it does. I wanted to get into the, the notion of, of suicide because you worked with that, but I think you know we haven't, don't have enough time. We'll have to do a separate show on that because that's, that's of great significance to me because of it was it 
took place in my family. Uh, however, the notion of time, just very briefly, uh, yeah, a brief, brief history of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. was um, uh, of significance here. Um, for example, the entire notion of reincarnation, and again, this may have to be a separate show. Um, do we have Einstein? Okay, what did he what did he prove in 1952? Uh, and we keep talking about physics here, but it was relativity, and the implication being that that everything is simultaneous, that there is no yeah. past, there is no future. It's all right. simultaneous. We just experience it in a linear sense. Uh, how does that affect the notion of psychokinesis? If everything is present more or less, somewhere in the multiverse, if we can use that term, that we simply call it into play when psychokinesis, psychokinesis occurs, and hence refrigerators can move, things of this kind, depending on... You know, you know, I don't know if you know what I'm getting uh, at. I, uh, you know, we got to look at a frame of reference. I'm going to go back to Middle Egyptian times, a book called The Cabalion. The first truth in it is everything's illusion. The second truth is everything is real. Right. The third truth is... The biggest mistake you can make is deciding either of those are truer than the other. Um, to me, if you took a ruler and put it on a table and you were walking along at one inch, two inch, three inch, you would experience time linearly. But if you were above the ruler looking down, you'd see the whole thing at once. So depending on your point of reference, one is not more real than the other. But if you're walking down the rule of, ruler of linear time, then you would have um, past lives, future lives. If you're up there, you just have other lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parallel lives, even. Yeah, because yeah. Your, um, your frame of reference relative to time is it's all one instant now. And um, so depending on, you know, how you want to slice it, uh, you know, we are filled with illusion. Uh, to me, everything's oneness. If, if you want to have experience, the first thing you do is adopt the illusion of separateness. Then that separate being can have experiences relative to the hall and could have experiences within time or space. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a game. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. The master game, if you will. Okay. Uh, of perspective. All um, right. Maybe we have time for one more question. I'm curious as to, you seem to work with large groups at times. Okay, we're talking about uh, possible rendezvous of up to 500 people. Yes. Do you, do you find that people will have different experiences of the same phenomenon, you know, and we're talking mostly about psychokinesis. Do you find that people have different impressions of what's happening? People get get different lessons from it, this sort of thing, or is it all pretty much universal? Well, people have differences. When we do uh, a large group, say, with metal bending in Monroe after three or four days of meditating at Monroe Institute, we'll often get 95% of people being able to do it. Um, the place I see greatest variability is, say, if there was a UFO sighting. You might have a third that see it clearly, a third that didn't see a thing, totally think you're crazy for saying that, and a third who uh, felt something or, you know, whatever. Um, you get a high degree, I think, in poltergeist and in UFO uh, phenomena, you get a much higher variability rate. In psychokinesis, usually people will agree we saw that thing levitate, if that's what's going on. Or we see the counter move on these tests that measure quantum uncertainty with random number generators. Uh, or we, we all agree the dice rolled uh, nine nines in a row. Uh, you know, so there we get good agreement with the group of what happened, at least. What they make of that, 
you know, could vary from it's of the devil to I did it, to God did it, to my angels did it for me, to uh, it was just chance, depending on how their belief systems are configured. Okay. All right, very good. Well, I'm afraid we're just about out of time. Would you give us your website one more time? And uh... Sure. We go to inner, like the uh, inner tube of attire, I-N-N-E-R, Vegas, V-E-G-A-S dot com. It'll take you to the Inner Vegas book site, but on top is the whole website, including all the workshops and other products. Outstanding. Dr. Joe, a a wonderful show. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch off the air. I think we have a couple more good shows in us here. So thank you so much. Pleasure to be with you both this Sunday. Okay. Take care. You too. All right, let's get to our announcements then. Uh, we had a great time at the Blackstone Public Library in Massachusetts on, uh, where we were there, Thursday, right? Yes. Uh, right here in our home listening area as we pre- presented on Poltergeist. Uh, many thanks to the great audience and to Lisa Cheever and the library staff at that beautiful facility. And on uh, Friday and yesterday, we were at the uh, New- Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts, one of our favorite events of the year where we presented on Bigfoot and UFOs, uh, the most extreme cases in New England and beyond. Uh, many thanks to the organizer, Susan Spooler, uh, the city of Lemonster, and all the great speakers and participants, and, of course, to our wonderful MC, my dad, Paul Eno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the MC. Kind of beginner's luck. You're a little stressed, through. but you did, you did great. Yeah, it was all right, yeah. Was, uh, thank you very much, Ben. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Uh, then on October 19th, We'll be at the Western Connecticut UFO Conference in the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library, uh, where we will speak for the third year in a row. Our subject, Extreme UFO Counters in Connecticut, Encounters in Connecticut and Beyond. Visit danburylibrary.org for information. And you can get our books, including Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard of. And now, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeist, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God. Uh, the, they're available from online retailers and in some stores, but for autographed copies, you can visit our online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Okay. Uh, also, with that site, you can find... Well, you should be able to find lots of shows. However, we've had trouble with uh, people taking the shows down for us. We don't know what it is. But uh, you can go back to... Uh, there are a number of podcast platforms that uh, are carrying our past shows back to 2011. We're working on getting them back to 2008, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio and special shows and podcasts. Uh, just iTunes, all the major podcast uh, sites have the Behind the Paranormal um, recorded shows. And uh, please, uh, again, pay attention to uh, our charities uh, and to go to our charity page uh, at BehindTheParanormal.com to check those out. So, Ben, what do we have for next week? So, next week, uh, well, nothing. Uh, our <coughs> October 13th show uh, will be preempted uh, for the WON, AM, and FM of uh, coverage of the Autumn Fest events here in northern Rhode Island. Uh, however, the following week on October 20th, uh, we will look forward to another lively open line show with our favorite guest co-host, Shane Searway. And we leave you this afternoon with a thought from the great English author John Milton. The mind is in its, is its own place, in itself, can make heaven of hell or hell of heaven. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.